What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, Trailblazers radio play-by-play man and host of Rip City Drive, Travis Demers joins the show to talk all things Blazers basketball, the NBA playoffs, and so much more. So, Travis, how are you doing? I'm great, Paul. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. You know, it's it was a tough out for the Trailblazers. Um you know, they uh, didn't definitely didn't go as expected, but how how did this season go for you guys and you know, how how did you think that the team performed? You know, it was a it was a rocky season, right? Cuz things started out really well and then 12 games into the year, Yusuf Nurkic breaks his wrist and he misses 35 games. The next yeah. night, CJ McCollum breaks his foot and he misses, you know, 25 plus games. So you're looking at, you know, in a shortened season of 72 games, Nurk missed almost half the year and CJ missed about a third of the year. And there was a stretch, you know, going into that that final 12 games of the season where they were really struggling. They had lost five in a row. They lost six in a row at home and they were staring the plane in the face. So to finish 10 and two down the stretch of the last 12 and be a top six seed and avoid the plane, they finished really strong and seemingly that they always finish strong. And then in, in the playoffs, they just weren't consistent enough. And it was disappointing. I think a lot of folks in, in Rip City were, you know, especially against Denver with Jamal Murray being out and Will Barton missing the first round and P.J. Dozier being out. I think a lot of people around here expected the Blazers to win, and it, it didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely – I expected, you know, a little bit of a better – I thought that the Blazers were going to actually beat the Nuggets too, uh, especially without Jamal Murray. I thought that, yeah. you know, the backcourt was going to be lacking a lot and CJ and Dame were uh, – were definitely healthy so it was it was interesting and you know it seems like that this has has been going on for a while but going back to more of your background and stuff how did you get started working with the Blazers you know what's what was your path going out to Portland yeah so I mean if you want to go way back you know I started at, at LIU Post I graduated yeah. there in, in 2003 and I was the sports director at WCWP there I did you know uh basketball, football, some baseball, some lacrosse and the radio. And then I took my first job when I graduated college uh, doing high school football and basketball in Astoria, Oregon. And if folks aren't familiar with Astoria, if you've ever seen the Goonies or Kindergarten Cop, that's Astoria. It's a real yeah. small town. And so I, I moved there when I was 21. I uh, sight unseen. I got a job at one of the sports radio stations in town. And I kind of worked my way up the ladder. I moved to D.C. for a couple of years to work for Sirius XM and then back to Oregon uh, to work for the ESPN radio affiliate. I was there for a few years. They made some changes. I got let go. And then I caught on with with Rip City Radio. And in 2017, the longtime play-by-play announcer, Brian Wheeler, had, had gotten sick and he missed a bunch of games. Well, they had somebody to come in and do the regular season games, but in a pinch, they needed me to do the final preseason game that year. It was against Maccabi Haifa, and I get a call on on Friday or on Thursday saying, "Hey, uh, do you think you could fill in and, and call the Blazers game on the radio tomorrow?" And I'm like, Wait, "What? You want me, yeah. you want me to call a Trailblazers game on the radio? Yeah, I think I can make that work." You know, yeah. I'd done you know minor league baseball and a lot of college stuff, high school stuff, but I'd never done you know NBA before. Yeah. So that was the only game that I did that year. The following year, um, Brian Wheeler got sick again, and I ended up doing about half the season. And then he couldn't continue on after that year, and I got the job. Yeah. 
that's awesome that's so cool it's like it's awesome how like something like that can just happen out of nowhere you know you can get yeah. that kind of opportunity just kind of like out of the blue that's it seems like that's most of the most of the breaks that you know kind of occur kind of just happen like out of the blue but you know you worked your way up to it and yeah you know that's that's pretty awesome how'd you get started with um your daily talk show so I had been, you know, like I said, when I first got to Portland, I was with a station called 1080 The Fan. Um, that's the ESPN radio affiliate. I started working there in 2004. Uh, that was the station that Colin Cowherd was on before he went to ESPN. Yeah. And I was just kind of, you know, uh, entry level. I was running the board for Mariners games and other play-by-play from Westwood One and things like that. And I started doing updates and filling in hosting, among a bunch of other things that I was doing. Uh, and then I moved when I moved to D.C., I got a call after I'd been there for a while asking if I wanted to come back and uh, do a midday show. So I came back and I did noon to three for a couple of years. And then there were some changes. And when I was out of work, I was out of work almost a year. And finally, in 2015, I got a job at Rip City Radio where I'm at now doing afternoon drive. Yeah, that's great. Is it mostly like Blazers? Um Blazers focused or anything else? Yeah, so I mean we're we're the we're the Blazers flagship, but we also yeah. carry Oregon State, so we do a lot of Oregon oh, State. Okay. But you know, in, in in this market, the things that people want to talk about are number one, the Blazers, yeah. uh, number two, Oregon, and then Oregon State, and then NFL. So we do a lot of NFL, a lot of NBA, ton of college football. Uh, you know, college yeah. football is huge here, and like for me, I've always loved college football. And growing mm-hmm. up in the the New York area, college football is not. Uh, now, people yeah. don't love college football in, in the New York area the way they do, certainly in the South, but but yeah. here. So we do a, a lot of college football, too. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. How did you feel about the Oregon State? Uh, how did their run in the tournament this year? In basketball or the, the yeah. baseball one that just ended? Basketball, yeah. Yeah. The that, baseball so that, one they were doing, too. Yeah, baseball obviously won the national championship a few years ago. And, yeah. you know, watching the, uh, the the final regional game against Dallas Baptist when they blew a 5 nothing lead in the third inning, that was that was disappointing. But for, for basketball to reach the Elite Eight for the first time in decades, right? And, and Oregon State basically had no chance of getting to the NCAA tournament. They had to run the table, yeah. and they did. They had the surprising win over Oregon. They beat Colorado in the conference championship game. It started with a with an overtime win over UCLA, who obviously ended up in the Final Four. So that run was was crazy. I mean, nobody expected that to happen. And, you know, there, there are some things that kind of capture everybody's attention. Oregon State winning the College World Series a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't want to say it was unexpected because they had won College World Series before that, but this run, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was talking about Oregon State basketball because it's when you're talking college basketball in this area, for the most part, in the last decade, it's been Oregon. Yeah. So for the Beavers to do that, it was it was a lot of fun to follow. That's really cool. I know that was it. It was cool to see. It was really this year's tournament was really interesting. I, I liked I liked that Oregon State made it that far. You know, you had like those. You had some of the other stories. You know, Oral Roberts, of course. Yeah. Um, made their push, and I, th- I thought it was awesome. UCLA, you know, went from it playing to, uh, you know, making it all the way to the Final Four. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was definitely an awesome tournament. But jumping back into Trailblazers, so you so you watch every game, obviously, and yeah. you know you know how the Blazers function and stuff. What was your thoughts about the Terry Stotts firing? And what do you think the biggest needs in free agency are going to be? How do you think they're going to attack heading into next season? Yeah. So first with Terry, uh, I love Terry Stotts. Yeah. Um, I've got a great relationship with him. He is 
one of just the the most genuine people I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that like he doesn't forget your birthday. He asks about your family. Yeah. He cares. He's just he's an awesome guy. So yeah. personally, it was really disappointed. Uh, I was really disappointed when when he got uh, let go or they mutually parted ways. And I hadn't I haven't seen him in person since March 10th of last year, because even team broadcasters weren't allowed around the players or coaches this year. So yeah. we didn't we didn't travel this year. We had to be in a different zone because of COVID. So I, I hadn't seen Coach in, in over a year, and uh, it was it was disappointing that he was let go. He was there for nine years, right? Yeah, there were exactly. only three coaches in the league that had, had been there for longer than him. Um, so the the fact that they got to a conference finals, um, he's the second most uh, winningest coach in franchise history in the regular season. He did some great things, yeah. But I think there was just kind of a feeling that you know, if they had lost in the first round this year, it was going to be time to make a change. Not necessarily for for change sake, but sometimes you need a new voice, right? And and Larry Bird said that a number of years ago when when he fired Frank Vogel after three years, he said, "Look, three years is basically the the run of it for a coach." Yeah, and yeah. it's it's interesting because you see a lot of coaches don't stick around for much longer than that. So for for yeah. Terry to have been here nine years, that's really an accomplishment. In free agency, there's really not much they can do because they there's no money, right? Yeah. They can have a biannual yeah. exception because they didn't use it last year. Uh, they have the the taxpayer mid level exception, which I think is around five million and change. Um, and from their unrestricted free agents. You know, Norman Powell is an unrestricted free agent. I think yeah. re-signing him is a priority. Uh, Zach Collins, even though he didn't play this year and barely played last year, um, if he's healthy, you know, they, they can extend him a qualifying offer and make him a restricted free agent. So I think those, yeah. those are kind of, in terms of free agency, you've got to keep what you've got and then explore the trade market. Yeah, definitely. What about Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor? I think they, I think Cantor's a free agent too, right? Yeah. I know they're, Carmelo is. They're, they're both free agents, right? Yeah. So. Cantor this year, especially when Nurkic was hurt, he was fantastic in yeah. the way that uh, he took the he helped the Blazers go from a team that was in the bottom third in the league in offensive rebounding and second chance points to top five. Yeah, and he was he was terrific with that. He was a great offensive rebounder. He's a good passer. He got so much better in the pick and roll too. Um, but you know he has his lapses on defense. Yeah. Uh, he's so, he's not the strongest yeah. defender, and that's why he didn't play a ton in the series against Denver. Carmelo Anthony this year, you know, he shot around 40% from three. He was he's kind of a sniper from three, and he was a really good three-point shooter. He had some stretches where he wasn't playing particularly well, and his minutes were reduced, 15, 17 minutes. But when he was hot, there were times where he would carry the team, where he'd score 11 points in six minutes. And when Lillard was off the floor, or Lillard and McCollum were off the floor, he would help keep them in games. So I think there is value in Carmelo Anthony, uh, there is definitely value in Ennis Cantor. I just don't know how the front office is going to prioritize this offseason. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think that, you know, as those two being former Knicks, obviously, I'm a diehard yeah. Knicks fan. So, um, so definitely know all about Cantor's lapses on defense, but he gives you – he gives you all out performances on offense too, yep. offensive rebounds, second chance points, like you were alluding to. Um, same with Carmelo and Carmelo too. You know, he's uh, he kind of resurged his career with the Blazers. Um, I feel like they, he almost would continue to be a cheap option too. Like they keep oh, yeah. signing him for like for basically the minimum. Well, that's um, what they had him for this year. Yeah, but exactly. To your point, like I, I grew up a Knicks fan. 
right? I was yeah. I was as diehard of a Knicks fan as, as there gets when I was a kid. And, you know, when I was 12 years old or 13 years old in 95, when Ewing missed the shot in game seven in the second round against yeah. the Pacers, I cried. And yeah. my, my first time calling a game at Madison Square Garden, one of the first things I did was walk out to the floor in that spot. And I looked up at the rim like, oh, this is where Patrick Ewing missed that shot in, in 1995. Yeah. Uh, so Carmelo, I think he's gotten a bad rap over his career because he's never really had a great team around him. Yeah, exactly. When, when, when the Knicks acquired him from Denver, you think about all the things they gave up. They gave up Wilson yeah. Chandler, gave Danilo Gallinari, Timofey Mozgov, not that that really mattered. And they gave yeah. up a first-round pick that turned into Jamal Murray when yep, they probably exactly. could have signed him in the offseason. So I, I think yeah. he's gotten a bad rap. And when, for like two years before last year, Blazers fans kept saying, we need to go get Mello. We need to go get Mello. But there was the other faction of things that said, no, he's he's a selfish guy. He's never going to want to come off the bench. We yeah. don't want him here. He's a coach killer. And he was the complete opposite of that here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I completely agree. You know, he's never really had a huge, a big team around him. And this kind of, this is almost like the perfect fit for him, I feel like. And he's going to, yeah. I think he's going to want to stay in Portland. He revived his career. You know, there's no, there's nowhere else that he would go that would be a, an immediate upgrade. Um, That's definitely a big one. I feel like Cantor, Cantor always ends up bouncing around. You know, he's played for yes. so many different teams. He might end up, somebody might give him, uh, give him some decent money. But if you bring back Zach Collins, it'd be completely different. That would be, um, they you wouldn't even probably wouldn't even need Cantor that much, even though Cantor does do a lot on offense. Yeah, well, the especially. big question about Zach is is can he stay healthy? He didn't exactly. play this year. He yeah. only played a handful of games last year, and then got hurt again in the playoffs and had multiple surgeries. So, you yeah. know, I think they would bring him back in a one year prove it deal and say, okay, let's let's see what you got, and hopefully we see what we saw a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. I I think that that would be that would probably be ideal. And you know, even say with Nurkic too. You know, Nurkic is a great player when he plays, but he's all, all, just always hurt. Yeah, you know, always ends up ends up having something. So that's so you need to have some depth in the front court for, for sure. sure. Um, so as far as a Damian Lillard trade, do you think that that's any bit realistic? I mean, we've been hearing it for like five years now, you know, he's always, he, he doesn't want to leave. Like that's, there's no doubt that he doesn't want to leave. He likes it in Portland, but we hear his name all the time. And obviously after a first round exit, we're hearing him more and more, especially with a lot of teams being interested in needing point guards and all that kind of stuff. Do you think a Damian Lillard trade really could be realistic? No. I don't. I don't want to disappoint yeah. Nick fans out there. I, I, I know. I know. I think in the next 365 days, I think there is less than a 0% chance Damian Lillard gets traded. If, yeah, we, if we're sitting here a year from now, and whoever the Blazers bring in as coach, it, it doesn't work for Dame. And whatever changes or lack thereof in the offseason don't work, I think that he could get to a point where uh, – he might decide he wants out, but I don't. I I'd, I'd be more than shocked if anything happened in the next year. Yeah, that that's this interesting, you know, because um, obviously, like with all, you, you never know what to believe, and right. like the, you know, you're always going to hear these rumors and stuff. And we've been hearing it for so many years with Damian Lloyd, and I don't see them the, there being any point in trading him. I mean, like you would get a ton back for him. There's no doubt about that. But like. But to, to, to your point, though, like you're, you're exactly right about that, right? So if your goal is to win a championship, why would you trade arguably the best player in the history of your franchise? Exactly. Oh, yeah. You know? Why would you do that? Because you're never, ever going to get the value back. 
Exactly. Right? You're, exactly. You're three, four years from now, when he's 34, 35 years old, maybe I still, you know, would have to see how things play out, but you're not going to get value for that. So if you're trading yeah. Damian Lillard, you're basically saying, well, we're, we're going to have to start from scratch. And yeah. there is no way the front office is doing that right now. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's really interesting point. And, you know, something that, that people don't really think about because, you know, obviously the Knicks have been, you know, everybody's talking about the Knicks should go all in and stuff. I've never thought that it that that's very realistic because I don't know what we're going to give up. Well, we would even give up, you know, you'd we'd give up. We'd probably have to give up quickly topping in four first round picks. Like at least that would be like the floor of a Damian Lillard trade. I would assume. And that's in, you know, like, is that even is like, obviously having Damian Lillard would be fantastic, but would the trailblazers even do that? I don't even think so. You know, no, they, they, they wouldn't be for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the salaries wouldn't match up. Right. Yeah, so if, yeah, if you're true. if you're talking about you know quickly and Toppin, who are both rookies, they'll be they'll be in their second year. They're both on rookie scale contracts. Yeah. Uh, even though you know with uh, Toppin, I don't know exactly what he's making, but he was a top eight pick, so he's he's making some some decent money. It's yeah. not even close because because Dame's going into the first year of his supermax deal where he's going to make about forty million. Yeah. Um. And if that's the case, and and they do trade Damian Lillard to the Knicks, and the Knicks are really good. Those draft picks are going to be terrible draft picks. Sure. So it's like the is the twenty second pick three years in a row, along with you know Toppin, who it took him a while to develop and yeah. quickly. He looks like a really good young player. Is he a rotational guy? Is he a starter? I don't know. But that to me that if, if that happens, whoever if if it's still Neil Shea that's in charge or somebody else, they will they'll be one of the most hated people in this city if that happens. Yeah. I uh, am not shocked about that at all because he's like, he's worshiped, you know, I can't, we can yeah. tell from the East coast how much he's worshiped out there. You know, like it's, it's pretty well known and he loves it out there. Yeah. Um, I don't see, I really don't see it being, being realistic either. I've never kind of bought into that. You know, if he wants to be there, if he were to demand a trade to be different, he wants to be there. Like, why would they, you know, not play into uh, you know, their star player, I think by far the best player in Blazers history. You know, I think he's, he might've already exceeded Clyde Drexler. You know, I think it's, it's pretty close, but I, I think he, he possibly could have. Um, yeah. The, the, the one thing that Clyde has on Dame is two trips to the finals. That is true. Right? That is true. 1992. If yeah. you ask most people around here, who the best players are, the best player in franchise history, it's going to be some combination of Dame, Clyde Drexler and Bill Walton. Bill Walton yeah, won an MVP yeah. in '78. He won a championship, the only one in franchise history in '77. Uh, that's those are the three people. But Walton's time here was very short lived. Um, you know, Drexler got to a couple of uh, finals, and Dame's gotten to one conference final. So I, I think, in terms of talent and ability and all of that, I think Damian Lillard is the best player in franchise history. But he doesn't necessarily have the best resume. Yeah, they're by far, by far. He's the most talented, yeah. but it's exact, that's a great point. You know, Bill Walton ha- has the MVP, has the championship. Clyde, you know, tw- lost twice um, in the finals, but he won the Western Conference twice. Right. So, you know, it's it's very difficult to beat. But I, you know, I like that. It's going to be – I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, who w- – Who's at the top of your list for the head coaching search? I saw today that um, they're going to interview Chauncey Billups and Becky Hammond, uh, and they're also going to interview Mike D'Antoni this week. Yeah. So do you think any of those three are like at the top of the list? From everything that I'm hearing, 
Chauncey Billups is the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, you know, Neil Shea has been very high on Chauncey Billups for a long time. There was a quote about 10 years ago because Olshay was with the Clippers for a while, and he was there when Chauncey Billups was a player. And there was a quote from him about 10 years ago where he said, Chauncey Billups could, could be the head coach of this team right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it sounds like he is the front runner, um, but Boston is also interested in him. Some other places are interested in him. You know, Indiana and Orlando also have coaching vacancies. Uh, with D'Antoni, he's a good coach. Um, yeah. The problem that I see with D'Antoni, and if they hire him, I don't think it would be a bad hire. Yeah. But one of the biggest issues with this team is defense. Yeah, it's true. it's true. He's yep. never been a defensive coach. He's yep. had good defensive assistants, and they've helped, helped his defense. But is he the right fit? And I'm not saying he's not, but just based on the track record of, of his style, it sounds like it's too similar to what we've seen for the last nine years of Terry Stotts. Yeah. And with Becky Hammond, I don't know. Right? Yeah, do, exactly. do, I, do I trust coaches that have come from the Popovich coaching tree? Yes. I mean, some of those coaches have, have had – minimal success but you also have to look at the rosters around those coaches you know guys like yeah. James Borrego and you know I mean look Mike Budenholzer has had a ton of success he took Atlanta to the Eastern Conference Finals he's taken Milwaukee to the Eastern Conference Finals uh if he loses his job is you know we don't know what's going to happen so yeah. I I don't it's, it's hard for me to speak on on Becky Hammond because I just don't know much about her other than the fact that players respect her and she has been learning under Greg Popovich for a while. Um, I have I have also heard, and I can't name names, there is a prominent name that I have heard that could also be in the mix uh, that has not been reported yet. So okay. we'll, we'll see. I don't I don't want to uh, uh, irresponsibly report something, um, but yeah. there, there are a lot of us around here that have heard uh, a couple of things, and it can get very interesting. That's that's really interesting. That's going to be exciting. That's I I mean, I would think so, too, because, you know, D'Antoni, when I saw that today, it doesn't seem like the great like D'Antoni's a great coach. And yeah, there's no doubt about that. But it's just like you were saying. But, um, you know, he he in a way is very similar to thoughts. Yes. Um, that's and you know you would get a high powered offense with that, but you know would you would you be able to turn it around on the defensive end with a lot of offensive minded guys on the team? Uh, right. Like- when 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 he was in Houston, uh, he had Jeff Bizdelic as an assistant, and yeah. they had a good defense that year. But I think a lot of that credit goes to Jeff Bizdelic. You know, he runs a lot of isolation on offense, a lot of three point shooting. He likes small lineups. I mean, a lot of the things that that we've seen for for years. So if you're if yeah. you're looking for a a change uh, again. I think that Tony's a hall of fame coach. Yeah. I, I just don't far. know that he's the right guy for this situation. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's, I think that's really interesting. And I think that's, that's going to be really cool to see what's, you know, transpires in the next couple yeah. of weeks, but, you know, jumping from the trailblazers to the NBA playoffs, we'll run through it real quick. Um, you know, each of the series, Sun swept the Nuggets yesterday, you know, the Sixers lead the Hawks two to one. Uh, they're playing tonight for game four, you know, what are your, what are some of your thoughts and your, um, the biggest storylines you've seen so far in this series? Who do you think wins the series? You know, what's the most interesting parts about it? Yeah. When, when you look at the, the Philly Atlanta series, to me, it, it all revolves around the health of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, just like their playoff hopes have for, for the last few years. Yeah. If those guys are healthy, 
they're really, really good. Yeah, I love exactly. what Atlanta's been able to do. I mean, you think of the, the pieces that that they put around uh, you know, Trey Young, going out and getting Bogdanovich, uh, some other trades that they've made. I just think they've done a, a terrific job of supporting Trey Young, who is a phenomenal young player. Um, they're going to be scary. I think Philadelphia is the better team. I yeah. don't think it's terribly close. And if they can stay healthy and they can, I mean, they're a really good defensive team too. So I think to me, it's if, if Philadelphia stays healthy, they win that series and Atlanta might not get another game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, the way Atlanta played against the Knicks, a lot of people were thinking, you know, could they upset the Sixers and, you know, could they catch them? But I, I just, you know, the Sixers are so dominant when everybody's healthy. They're, they're such a good team. They're re- there's a reason why they are the one seed, the Hawks, will be there, I think, one of these next few years. Yeah. They'll be up in the top three in the East. I think they're well headed towards that. Trey Young is becoming a superstar. You know, they have the they have the pieces around. They got some they got some good young depth, but it's kind of like a work in progress. Totally. Them. I definitely I definitely agree with that. I think the Six are going to win this series. Um I think they they'll probably win tonight, honestly. They'll probably finish off um may make it a three one lead and yeah. you know kind of push towards the end. And then the the other series is a lot more interesting after yesterday. The Nets tied with the Bucks 2 to 2. That was very, obviously very interesting. Kyrie got hurt um and the Bucks overpowered them again. So without Harden or Kyrie, if the Nets were to somehow not get car, not get Harden or Kyrie back for the rest of this series, do they stand any chance against the Bucks or do you think the Bucks are going to run right over them? I think they stand a chance in the context of some of their role players can get hot, right? Yeah. Joe Harris, when he's hot, he was terrible yesterday. But when yeah. he's hot, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, they have some size inside. I, I thought at times Claxton did a really good job yesterday against Giannis. Um, you know, but the way that I've always seen Brooklyn, the way that I saw them going into the playoffs, is their big three of Harden, Durant, and Kyrie Irving played seven games together in the regular season. Exactly. Had they played enough time together? And it it looked like it in the first round, but again, they were playing a Boston team that's a that's a disaster right now. Um so the the way that they handled Milwaukee in games one and games two without James Harden to me wasn't a huge surprise. But when you lose Harden and Kyrie, who's gonna facilitate the ball? Right? You look at the back to back games. Without James Harden and Kyrie didn't play yesterday, it's the first time all season they've scored under 100 points in, in back-to-back games. They just don't have enough offense right now, and Kevin Durant can't do everything. So when you take two big-time scorers and distributors out of the lineup, I have a hard time thinking that the Nets are going to be able to do a whole heck of a lot. And they, they, the Bucks are so good in the paint; they're so reliant on the three. But with Giannis, they're terrific in the paint. And I don't think the Nets, with their defense as porous as it has been all year, with the lack of scoring and distributing from Harden and and Kyrie Irving, I don't think the Nets win that series if those guys don't play again. I think if if one of them comes back and is is healthy, I think the more likely scenario is is Kyrie Irving because the hamstring for Harden, and plus he hasn't – I don't think he's had any basketball activities – it's going to be harder for him to come back and be himself. If, I think if they get Kyrie Irving back before game five or before game six, I think they win the series. If they don't, I think it's Milwaukee moving on. Yeah, 
I can I agree with that. I think that that's going to be interesting, and I uh, I completely agree with the Harden. I feel like Harden's not going to be healthy this entire series. That's almost okay. like a guarantee. You know, this hamstring is not going to heal up in time. We all know that. So the big question is: Is Kyrie going to be able to play? Kyrie's going to Kyrie and Harden are both going to push through. They might both they might either one of them or both of them might play but the question is will they actually be efficient and right. will they be able to stay on the court you know we saw anthony davis you know go down and pushed himself to come back in the sun series and could only was able to last a minute in the game right and pulled out and he, he did not look like he belonged on the floor in that game no not at all there's there was no chance that he was going to be fully healthy everybody knew that too he pushed himself which i respect to get back out there and to try it but you know he 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 looked like he could barely walk. Like he looked like he could barely put any pressure on it, even yeah. when even during the pregame. So that was that was interesting. So with if the Nets were to come back and win this series, uh, what do you think about the future of Budenholzer? Do you think that there's any chance that the Bucks move on from him? I I don't think it would be a smart move in any way. But it's, you know the the rumors going around that they would it'd be interesting. Well, you put it this way. Personally, I wouldn't fire. I think yeah. he's a fantastic coach. But you look at the last three years. Let's say for the sake of argument that they lose this series. Okay, two years ago, they have a 2 nothing lead in the conference finals over the Raptors. They lose four in a row when they're the favorite and get knocked out. The following yeah. year, they lose in the second round. This year, they would lose in the second round. With that track record, I can understand the need to or the desire to make a coaching change. Is that the difference? I don't know. Uh, they made a lot of changes this offseason. And during the season, they bring in P.J. Tucker, which I thought was a great move. The Drew Holiday trade was, a, I thought, a fantastic trade. I love Drew Holiday. Oh, yeah. He's a two-way player. I, I think the Dante DiVincenzo injury is uh, bigger than people have given it credit for when you lose a starter like that. Um, but they've also lost you know, some, some depth along the way, too. Um, I like Pat Connaughton. He was obviously he was here for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I thought when they had Wesley Matthews last year, that was big, and he made some big plays for the Lakers. I don't think it would be the right move to fire Budenholzer, um, but I can I can see the justification if they lose in this series. Yeah, definitely. I I completely agree with that. I feel like there's really you know uh, I think that a lot of teams are also going to be monitoring this series too. You know, especially the, even the Trailblazers too, because I feel like if Budenholzer were to get fired, the Trailblazers would be all over him. In well, an instant. I I think that the bigger thing that that at least that fans are talking about here isn't necessarily Budenholzer. It's would they be able to make a trade for Chris Middleton? Yeah. And that's what Blazers fans are looking at is okay, if if the Bucks underachieve, is Chris Middleton going to be available? If the Clippers yeah. underachieve, is Paul George going to be available? Miami underachieved, is Jimmy Butler going to be available? Yeah. You know, all of these other situations, like, okay, can we pick off that guy, that guy, that guy? Fans just want to see a splash. And I don't know that it's going to happen, but I also think that for some of these other teams, if if they do continue to underachieve, like Boston did this year. Are they going to try and shake things up? Yeah, that that would be really interesting. I never even thought about that a Chris Middleton trade, you know, because they need that third star too. The the uh, Blazers, if they especially if they want to compete in the West, and that would be a perfect piece. Chris Middleton, Paul George, obviously, um, you know, Jimmy Butler would be interesting if if yep. he'd really decide like you know they they want to move on from that, you know, if yep. they after this after their first round exit, if that's if that's the case. So jumping over to the West. Jazz lead the Clippers two to one. Um, I believe they're playing tonight too. Yep. Uh, the Jazz obviously were up two nothing. Clippers came back and you know made it made it two to one. What are, what are some of the biggest storylines you think? You know, um, 
Who do you think wins the series? It's getting close. If the Clippers win tonight, it's a brand new series. You know, it's going to be very interesting. I, um, Kawhi Leonard is just a winner, so you can never count them yeah. out. It's so tough. Uh, what do you think of the series? You know, I, I look back at the first two games, and the the Jazz without Mike Conley were able to win the first two games, right? And then he doesn't play in game three, and the, the Clippers blew him out. And, look, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined for 65 points in that game. They were terrific. But I think the, the bigger issue for Utah, you know, is when they're – they rely so much on the three, right? And they hit the three really well in that game, but so did the Clippers. They, they both made 19 threes in that game. Yeah. And they weren't terribly efficient in the paint and around the basket. I think, to, to me, I don't trust the Clippers. And the playoffs last year is a big reason why. Um, I think on paper they're the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I think if they, yeah. if they win this game tonight, I think they end up winning the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but are they going to win tonight? And we, we've yeah. seen you know, they've only won two games on their home floor. They're they're two and three uh, at home this year in the postseason. And Utah is so disciplined, so well coached, great defensive team. And Donovan Mitchell's obviously been fantastic, but they have a number of guys who can hit big shots. Uh, Bogdanovich, uh, Ingles, Gobert is a great defensive player. Uh, Clarkson, when he's on fire, they have a number of guys who can get it done. And I don't think the Clippers can match that depth in terms of scoring. They should be the best defensive team in the NBA. They should yeah. be the most complete team in the NBA, but they haven't been that in the playoffs. And if they can figure that out, we saw it in, in a little bit in game three, I don't think anybody's going to beat the Clippers. I just yeah. don't know if they're going to be able to get to that level. That's exactly it. That's exactly how I feel, too. I really think – I thought that they were like an underdog as a four seed, too, because you know on paper, I completely agree. They're, they have they probably have the most stacked lineup in the NBA. Oh, yeah. They're, they're – they're loaded from top to bottom, but it's just, it's so funny how like just the things don't click with them, you know, and it's, it didn't click under doc rivers and it's not clicking right now. It doesn't look like under Tyron Lou. So it's, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think I, I agree with you. If they even up this series, it's, it can go any which way, but uh, if they lose tonight, the jazz jazz are way too disciplined to yeah. always, uh, they're not going to lose three in a row. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with that. And then the last series that, concluded last night um sun swept the nuggets 4-0 obviously um the chris paul showed out devin booker showed out devin booker's we always knew he was a great player he's turning into an all-around superstar chris paul seems to just get better with age do you think that this is chris paul's best and possibly his last chance to win a ring this seems like almost a perfect opportunity with LeBron and Steph out of it. Um, we don't know if the Nets will come back fully healthy, obviously. We don't know if they'll be able to, you know, if the Clippers will get going, and that will obviously be difficult. But if those teams were out of the equation, is this almost like the best and last chance for him to to get that ring? It's crazy that we're even talking about that, right? <laughs> Considering how the Suns have been, they haven't missed the play, they haven't made the playoffs in a decade. And now here they are, you know, one series away from getting to the finals. I don't think it's his best chance. I think his best chance was a couple of years ago, his final year in Houston, uh, when they were a game seven away from getting to the finals, and Chris Paul gets hurt. I think if he's healthy, they win that game. And if they win that game, I believe they beat Cleveland and and win the title. I do too. Was that the year Cleveland got swept? They all blend together, right? They, they played together yeah. so many times. I think exactly. that was the year Cleveland got swept. I, th- I think Houston would have won that series. So I think that was his best chance. 
That's the only other time he's been to the conference finals. So yeah. naturally, this would be his second best chance. Phoenix is really good. They're deep. They're well coached. They can shoot. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's game has pr- improved leaps and bounds from last year, and Chris Paul's been a big reason for that. Yeah. And it's, it's not just Chris Paul, right? He comes in and he he brings in leadership and he brings in defense. They brought in Jay Crowder, who has played in NBA Finals before, who's a great defender and a very good yep. shooter. So those two True. guys together, it, it elevates the play of Booker because now he is not the one and only focal point of that offense. It's allowed Mikel Bridges to grow into a bigger role and be a terrific two-way player. Uh, it's allowed DeAndre Ayton to be the best version of himself. Uh, yep. Cam Johnson coming off the bench shooting threes. They've just got a, a number of weapons that, whether it's the Clippers or the Jazz, I give the Suns more than a puncher's chance to win that series. And if they're playing the Clippers, they've got home court. And like you said, with with the East, what what's the health of the Nets? What's the health of the Sixers? Yeah. Um, are we riding the Hawks off? Uh, would the Bucks have a chance? I think right now the the Suns have as good of a chance of anybody left in the playoffs to win a championship. Yeah. Definitely. I, th- I think that that's true. I think they have all the momentum, too. And depending on how far these series go, too, especially yeah. if, you know, this Jazz Clippers series goes seven games or something like that, they got they have all this time off to prepare. Yeah. It's, uh, they're they're going to have the upper hand. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. I, it, it almost seems like it almost seems like a fitting story for them to to win. It's it is kind of it is crazy, you know, that we actually going into, you know, I remember the day that that Chris Paul got traded to the Suns. Like I would not have expected that they would, you know, be making an all-out push for the NBA Finals. I would, I thought that they were yeah. going to be better. I didn't think that they were going to be this good, though. And you you think of all the lottery picks they've had over the years that were just yeah. swings and misses, right? Obviously, Booker has been terrific, and Aiton has now really come into his own. But you think of guys like Alex Len, who was a top five pick, and Dragon yep. Bender, uh, Josh Jackson. These guys that were you know top five, top six picks that had all this hype around them. And they had terrible NBA careers and weren't worth a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, so to to miss on all those first round picks and lottery picks and top five guys and to be in this situation, the front office has done a terrific job. Yeah. Oh, by far. James Jones has done a stellar job. He's completely come in and, you know, yeah. has turned the entire organization around. I give a lot of credit to him because he signed the right guys and he's developed the right guys. I think yep. that, I think it's fantastic. But yeah, well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3 and D and to all those listening via podcasts, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the 3 and D. Travis, thank you so much for joining the show. Is there anywhere the audience can tune into your show? Yeah, so uh, my, my show, The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad, weekdays, 3 to 6 Pacific, uh, 6 to 9 Eastern. You can find it uh, on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, search for Rip City Radio and then every Trailblazers game. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much again, Travis. I uh, hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at 7. Have a great night, everyone.